gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. This episode is sponsored by Raygun. Discover, diagnose, and understand the root cause of error, crash, and performance issues in your apps in seconds. See how your apps are really performing and where they encounter problems with Raygun's incredible full-stack software intelligence platform. Raygun works with all major programming languages and platforms, including iOS, Android, and Xamarin, giving you full visibility over every issue affecting your users. I use Raygun in all of my own apps and highly recommend you give it a try. It only takes a few minutes and you're up and running in your app. Sign up for a free trial today over at raygun.com and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. Uh, this episode is being recorded live from uh, Microsoft Connect in, in New York City with, with a guest that should be no stranger to, to anyone who's been in the, the Xamarin circles for, for a while. We've got uh, Joseph Hill in the room. How's it going, Joseph? Well, it's going great, Greg. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I, uh, it seems like this is long overdue. We should... Uh, I think this, is, this has to be the most formal conversation that we've had, I think. I think I've so. known you for, what, seven, eight years or so? But Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were, you were our number one Android fan and in, in, in the in the earliest days it's yeah. true yeah it, it, at xamarin android or then monodroid was where i got started on the whole xamarin path in the the very early alpha days yeah and your your feedback informed a lot of uh a lot of what we decided to do so thanks so no thanks problem for, thanks for having me too i mean it's uh you know like you said new york it's it's a, it's a great town good place to have a show and and connect was a pretty fun set of of announcements yesterday yeah how's the show been for you overall uh, it's been it's been great. Um, I mean, we have a lot of customers here, fairly well received broadcasts online. Um, you know, James Montemagno got on stage and and uh, he knows he's a showman, so uh, <laughs> a everybody bit. loved what he had to show. So uh, and I, you know, he'll be back on stage today because that's what he does. Yeah, he flew back across the country to be on the other side of Connect, which I guess yeah. is on the other side of the country. Yeah, we broadcast day two uh, historically from the Channel Nine Studios in Redmond, and uh, and James is the kind of guy that has to be in two places at once, so he overnighted there. It's impressive. But yeah, there were lots of live demos yesterday. Things where I, I imagine there were a bunch of people behind the scenes hoping that all the internets worked correctly, and things worked. It was yeah. impressive. Yeah, there was. There was. I mean, yeah, the uh, the operation for uh, for one of those kinds of shows. Yeah, it was a whole room the size of the room. <laughs> set up with all the all the people running through the demos it's, it's i mean it's fun yeah. i believe it so we mentioned that you know me you and i go way back you go even further back in the the mono circle like for anyone who somehow doesn't maybe know your your pedigree can you give sort of a synopsis of you know sort of how you came up through this whole thing yeah absolutely i'm i mean my my history is as a dotnet developer i love c sharp and uh and knew there were millions of developers uh, that were writing apps for Windows um, at the same time I was that, uh, you know, would be looking towards Linux. Um, and, and it seemed like C-sharp off of Windows was going was gonna to be an important thing eventually. Um, so I was a big fan of Miguel de Acasa um, and uh, used, to, used to go around, uh, you know, trying to convince Windows developers to try targeting Linux with Mono. And that brought me to ultimately get to, to work with Miguel as a product manager um, and, uh, you know, helped, uh, helped get the initial, our initial products, like you said, Mono, Monodroid and Monotouch uh, out the door. Um, and, uh, and then ultimately, um, you know, when Xamarin took on life as its own, own business outside of, uh, outside of Novell, uh, helped pump, found the company along with uh, Nat Friedman and, and Miguel, of course. And uh, yeah, so, you know, Greg, uh, you know, you were, you were a customer even before <laughs> Xamarin existed. And uh, um, yeah, so we go way back and 
mean, at Xamarin, I wore a lot of hats. So uh, you you worked with me in particular, <laughs> helping put on Evolve. That was a big part of uh, part of what I did there. But beyond uh, basically everything other than product engineering. So I uh, I ran support when we started the company, helped build the support team, helped kick off our partner program, um, ultimately ran evangelism for the last couple of years um, that we had Xamarin as, in the pre-Microsoft days. Um, and so these days I'm the... the uh, Principal Director of Product Program Management for Xamarin and Visual Studio for Mac. Sounds so, fancy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is a fully loaded name. Yeah, I had, <laughs> I had simpler names when it was a, when it was a smaller company. But you got to know your place in the order there. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I mean, that's great. I mean, those are two. It's nice to have two strong .NET products inside of .NET. Um, I mean, inside of Microsoft, um, and uh, and you know, delivering you know, great mobile developer experience in Visual Studio and, and now in Visual Studio for Mac, and also, um, you know, growing Visual Studio for Mac in, into a, a development tool that uh, is useful for for modern workloads beyond just mobile, including cloud, Azure, ASP.NET Core, Unity development. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting exciting place to play. It's a good, good place for, for Xamarin to land. Yeah, absolutely. And a good time at Microsoft, you know, at least from my perspective, from the outside, it's nice to see all these things sort of congealing together and becoming a, a real cohesive developer experience instead of just having, you know, two different sort of sides of the same coin going in slightly different directions or not being adversarial necessarily, but not necessarily working together as well. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess there's some history there with that, and, you know, certainly that predates, you know, predates us or something we had to look at from from the outside. But uh but I, you know, these days I work with a, a lot of great people that um, we're, we're really focused on doing the right thing for the customer. Um, that message, uh, you know, comes from the top and it really resonates. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's a new Microsoft. Yes. <laughs> so, so speaking of the new Microsoft, there were you know no shortage of announcements yesterday. So you know why don't we run through some of the you know for anyone who might be trying to get caught up looking for you know well what did I miss yesterday? Yeah. What did they miss? So it was I mean it was it was a big day for. Microsoft uh, Visual Studio announcements. I can't speak to the, the many, many across the board that people would have seen in the keynotes and the sessions that followed. Um, we, uh, you know, from the broader kind of, you know, broad and like getting more narrow to, to my area of things, um, you know, we did uh, announce the general availability of App Center yesterday. So, um, you know, if, uh, if your audience has heard about Mobile Center in the past, that's now App Center. It looks good. And uh, congratulations to them on a great launch. Um, and uh, and I couldn't do justice speaking to their topics, so I'm <laughs> more familiar with um, with in particular the things that uh, that James Montemagno Montemagno. Oh my gosh, he's going to hit me. <laughs> he hates it when I mispronounce his I name. I will definitely not just, edit that out. No. Yes, oh great. Yeah, I mean I made it better by just dwelling on it, so there was no hope of removing it. James Montemagno um, demoed uh, joined Scott Goo on stage to demo um, you know a lot of the a lot of the Im- the improvements that were shipping in the in the product um, made a few announcements um, and um, you know starting with uh, the uh, the um, well from my perspective start he ended with the one last thing which was .NET embedding hmm. which uh, I think is um, the idea of embedding .NET uh, code into apps that were not written in .NET. Um, and I think it's broadly interesting for .NET. I think it's a, it's a useful capability when we're able to look at the world of developers out there and say, yes, there are, there are 
you know, companies that have made investments in other languages are going to continue to make investments in building things in other languages. Um, even very big companies that write a lot of .NET and write a lot of Java as well, or, or Objective-C apps that they're already shipping. Um, we, uh, so I think it, the idea of embedding .NET broadly is useful, but in mobile, it's, you know, it was, it was a very important matter for us. It goes back to um, when we were at Xamarin, um, you know, it was a common request. People, when we would get on the phone, we would talk to developers and be like, I like what you're saying with C-sharp. I would love to share code and business logic and still have native apps. Um, so how do I use that with the, the Objective-C app I've been shipping for four years? It's like, well, no, it's kind of a, you know, it's all a, an all or nothing deal. We can enable you to bring Objective-C code into your Xamarin app um, or Java code into your Xamarin app. But, you know, for the most part, you're looking at at writing a primarily Xamarin app going forward. And a lot of that had to do with the product, the way we sold the product, the way we licensed it, and technical limitations as well. So when Microsoft announced the acquisition of Xamarin last year at Build, they um, they open sourced uh, the Mono Runtime um, and, and the Xamarin SDKs. And that opened the door for us to say, well, we no longer have any business reason not to enable people to use C-sharp even inside of these other apps. Um, and we set about solving the technical problem. And, um, and that's what we've you know, delivered in, in uh, the Embedinator 4000. Um, <laughs> so you're still allowed to keep using that name. Well, the Nougat's <laughs> called that. I would just as soon drop the 4000 personally. Mm. But we, I mean, endless debates about the naming I'm for sure. obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, and uh, you know, it's hard to get away from the fact that if you're talking about taking .NET and embedding it into something else, a thing that does a thing, you have to, you know, embedditize. You enabled, embed, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Embedinating. Um, so, uh, no, but I mean, I think as the, as the tooling matures, you'll hear a lot more of, you know, the, the process around embedding as .NET embedding. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the, you know, the fun <laughs> part of Embedinator will stick around as well. Out of curiosity, like as you were hearing from customers that really wanted to use that sort of use case, was it more around, say, I have this class library or this SDK or business logic that I want to bring in without rewriting an Objective-C or whatever? Or are they, were they also looking to take UI components written in C-sharp? That's a great question. So going back to, you know, before we ever did it at all, it was often um, people that had a, a existing business logic um, or uh, you know, they have their views and models on a web service and .NET, and, and they just know they had no intention of using Xamarin per se, but they had a lot of, you know, .NET and .NET backends that they, would, they wanted to talk to. So they wanted to use a little bit of .NET. Um, and I think that that use case stands on its own. Um, and then it grows a bit with, um, you know, vendors that have libraries that, um, that they want to be able to offer to any developer. Um, and uh, and then I think you know more recently we've we've heard more and more from from developers that look at like you know for instance Xamarin Forms and say well I do like um, some of what you offer with with a write once run anywhere toolkit um, but again I'm not going to write my whole app in Forms I have no intention of and, and maybe the stuff I'm going to keep native I'm going to keep writing in Objective C but if I could share some of these simple screens that would be great. So uh, so UI has become more and more a part of that and of course that's what what James demonstrated on stage. Um, as a side, you know, as an aside, we announced Xamarin Forms uh, 2.5 um, and we released that to everybody in Nougat um, this week. So uh, one of the features um, you know aside from 
improvements we've made for Android performance with, with layout compression, we also launched the native forms feature, which is, um, you know, for, for your audience that knows about Xamarin forms, um, they're probably aware that Xamarin forms, um, is a is a great solution for doing UI and building an app and and uh, with the potential to do write once run anywhere, but still have access to the native APIs. But the central idea behind it is you're building a Xamarin Forms app. You're you know you're using the app model of Xamarin Forms and um, the the uh, navigation, um, which works you know which works great for for mobile form factor where a lot of the concepts are very, are very much shared between iOS and Android. But what it explicitly didn't do was let you say, I'm going to write an app using Xamarin iOS and use iOS navigation, and it's, I'm going to ship it on iPad, and it's going to be mostly uh, doing a lot of iPad-specific things. But where I can use Xamarin Forms layout, I would like to use that um, and use XAML. Um, and so native forms gives us the ability to use forms in, in these otherwise native scenarios. And then bringing that back to Embednator to be able to say, wow, even if you're not using Xamarin iOS, you can still use Xamarin Forms native forms inside of your Objective C app or your or your Java app, um, and uh, and then start you know, taking advantage of UI sharing as well. Yeah, and, I, and I've said this many times, like both on the show and on Twitter, and really just anyone who probably has listened to me ramble. And but the whole like enabling this sort of two-way street and you know enabling .NET really everywhere in this sort of thing is one of the, the most exciting things I've seen come out of the, well, now the Xamarin and Microsoft teams this year. Like, I, I just think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, um, like I said, I mean, we've got to meet developers where they are. And, you know, the, you know, the reality is not all apps <laughs> are going to be .NET. And, and trying to draw a hard line and say, well, we have a lot to offer you. We have a really big carrot and all mm-hmm. these great C-sharp and .NET features. But it's but it's all or nothing, um, you know. That's not doing ourselves any favors in the long run. So being able to say, well, we're going to have a great interop story with Java, great interop story with Swift and iOS and C, C plus plus, which you can embed Nate to as well. Um, you know, like being able to to offer a great experience in all of those scenarios ends up becoming something that can be our advantage as well. Um, and uh, obviously, we want to see people using uh, more more .NET, but. Um, and more C sharp, but <laughs> but you know, got to be got to be realistic and pragmatic as well. And I think it's a great opportunity for us. Cool. So we've got embedding. What else you got? Yeah. So at Build earlier this year, we announced the Xamarin Live Player, which is an app that you can get uh, on iOS or Android uh, out of the the Play Store, or the the uh, the Apple's App Store, that uh, makes it really easy to get started with. Xamarin development in Visual Studio or Visual Studio for Mac without necessarily having to configure your entire environment, which, you know, we know for a lot of people just getting started with mobile, I mean, that can be a lot of hurdles to overcome to figure out how to do app signing and get your device provisioned. Um, and uh, and what, we, what we wanted to do was just make it really simple to start writing code in Visual Studio and see your app uh, running on the screen, and if you could, you know, like I, I think our bigger vision is for for us to be able to enable developers to stay inside Visual Studio with just the Live Player app, you know, for a couple of weeks, so that you can build and see enough of your app come to life that you can say, yeah, this is, I'm definitely going to build a mobile app. Xamarin's the way I'm going to do it, um, and uh, and at that point, you know, commit to getting the rest of the environment, which can be 
a, a, you know, a lot of additional requirements, space requirements. If you're looking at Android, installing Java, the Android SDK, maybe the NDK if you're using um, you know, those features as well. Um, so uh, so the, the live player is, uh, you know, we announced it then, and, and now, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's in really good shape, and James showed off some, some uh, of the improvements we've made, especially to the Visual Studio side of the experience. Um, so we're now shipping Visual Studio um, 2017 with um, the Xamarin Live Player functionality in preview. You can go into the, uh, you know, the, the configuration of you know, your tools options and go to Xamarin and say you want to turn on the, the Live Player functionality. And then that will give you the Live Player as an option in your device list. So you can go get the app and pair it to your device. Uh, a lot of your audience may already have Xamarin installed, so if you're using 2017, the other great thing about going this route, even if you have the full environment, um, there's still advantages to um, to using the live player because it 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 enables you to it to see your app running without doing a full compilation. Um, it is internally, it's it's running an interpreter, um, and uh, so even when you're doing live run, you know. You say, I, I have my app, and I pair it to the player, and I want to run the app. It ships your code over to the device, starts a debugging session pretty much instantly. I mean, as soon as it can get the files over to the device, you're up and running. Um, you can hit, you know, breakpoints, uh, and it's, it's just like you would expect development inside Visual Studio to be. Um, but um, because we have that instant start and that instant refresh um, capability, we, we additionally expose that in a feature we call Live Run Current View. So if you have a, um, you know, an app that's large and complex and you have a lot of screens, you don't necessarily want to deploy and run your entire app and go through the process to get to a screen where you need to start making, um, you know, you want to start iterating on the design and adding controls, moving controls around or whatever. So with Live Run Current View, you can go straight to whatever view you have loaded in the Visual Studio buffer and the player will show that view. And you can start making changes to XAML, see the XAML reflected immediately. You can make changes to C-sharp code, um, you know, your code behind for the page, essentially. And, uh, and that will get reinterpreted um, you know, within moments as well. And, uh, and so like ultimately, what you would have seen, if you, know, if, if you watch the video, it's great. But you know, make, make sure you're paying attention to how we really surface the, the live run current view capability now because it's in the context menus we give you a nice banner that says hey you could be you could be right live running this view and uh um and we think that that feature on its own is going to be really compelling to to you know mobile developers regardless of their background um just because it makes that view editing experience a little bit more like opening up uh you know html with the chrome tools um, in, you know, inside your, your web page and, and it being able to iterate on the, on the page in place as well. But with your actual source code in the IDE, see your changes reflected immediately. Yeah, I mean, historically, that's always been the biggest pain point I mean, in terms of like UI development where, you know, you want to move something a pixel this way or this way and you have to rebuild the app, you know, it has to do all the crazy stuff to put it on a device, send it over, oh, crap, I got that a little bit wrong. So you run, rinse and repeat for the next few hours trying yeah. to get... Um, especially one of the things that stood out to me in the demo was showing that working with animations, 
his animations are historically something where you're you're probably not going to get it tuned right the first time or even the second time. You're going to, you know, tweak your interpolation values and do a bunch of stuff. So being able to just see those happening in real time and just fix it without having to do that, you know, build to deploy step is massive. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, so we think the experience is revolutionary and, um, y- you know, I, I can't help but, you know, take it back to, you know, embedding, for instance, <laughs> .NET embedding and thinking, you know, this is great that now um, anybody can have, um, you know, can have this experience with C-sharp. Um, and, uh, and there's, you know, here's a compelling reason for anybody to check out the platform just because that iteration experience is slow in Java. It's you know, slow in Objective-C and, and Swift. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely people should, should go check that out. Um, another, another feature that landed in with all that um, related is we even support um, the idea of design time data. So, um, you know, if you're familiar with, with kind of the history of .NET controls and rendering .NET um, uh, views inside of various designers that Visual Studio has had, they give you the ability to specify design time data so that, you know, if you, even if you have a drop-down box that's populated with, you know, data that you would get from a database when you're actually running the app, you don't want to do that when you're when you're kind of in this design mode. Um, and uh, It'd and be a nice load support. test on your database to have that just refreshing constantly, okay, right? So, I mean, the embarrassing <laughs> thing is, I, I, is that I did exactly <laughs> this when I, back in when .NET, 1.0 came out, <laughs> I start. I was enthralled with the idea of custom controls, and I wrote all kinds of custom controls for the shop I worked at that were backed by SQL Server, loaded values, and yes, mm. that was, I mean, I had no concept of design time data. I mean, it was, so then you send that out to your whole team. It's, yes. it's a distributed yes. denial of service attack. Yes, it was. <laughs> I mean, ultimately it was, and when it started, it wasn't. Like, for the first year we used it, and there were, you know, two or three of us, it was nothing, but then at some point it's like, <laughs> What is what is what is going on in Visual <laughs> Studio? Oh yeah, that's that's me. Sorry. So um, yeah, so well, you know, um, you know, most controls have have support for this, and uh, and we respect that um, inside the Life Player. Um, so you'll have you know you'll you'll have something to work with data to work with while you're moving things around inside of there. Nice. And I want to I want to poke into a couple things in there just because somehow even though it was you know you announced it back at at Build this year we haven't done a, a full show on Live Player so I want to make sure that we cover some of the, the even kind of bare bare bones basic stuff. Um, so just starting from the the experience of a developer like let's say I mean you mentioned pairing your device to your computer like what does that process actually look like and then is that pairing over a local network? Is that going out over the internet? Like, what are the restrictions there? Great questions. I should have answered that up front. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so the when you start up, so go get the live player from, uh, you know, from the App Store or the Play Store, and you'll have, um, you know, a button to start pairing, show a QR code for you. Um, no, sorry. Mobile devices have cameras. You say pairing, <laughs> and the app will open up, the, will want to open up the camera, and you can point it at Visual Studio, which will display a QR code. So, um, so really, the, the beginning of the process here is once you've enabled the Live Player, like I mentioned earlier, the Live Player functionality in Visual Studio. If you sp- select the Live Player in the device dropdown, it will pop up a QR code mm-hmm. um, and encourage you to get the app. So then you can point your camera at uh, at the QR code. And that will help Visual Studio find your device, which does need to be on the local network. Um, I mean, we're not we're not 
transmitting source code across the internet or anything like that. Um, so the QR code is just to help uh, help the devices, you know, find each other addresses. Um, if you don't have, I have an Android device um, that uh, that is a game system that doesn't have a camera on it, um, and for that, it just you know, displays a code that I can uh, key into to Visual Studio, and and then you compare. So you don't you know you don't have to use the QR code if you're QR code averse. Um, and because it's over the local network, you don't have to worry about someone else just guessing that code and randomly coming in and finding your device or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so, so once you're paired, um, you know, then it's gonna you know push your code over and it's fast, um, and it'll just push uh, you know changes. You, you know, as as you make changes, it's just gonna push the deltas over. And um, and then from that point, it basically just behaves like a normal debug target. You can say F5, and if the live player is the device you have selected, that's where it's going to deploy and run. Uh, you know, Control F5 will run without debug. Um, but then, like I said, once you have the device paired, then you get the, the live run current view um, functionality enabled inside the IDE as well. Gotcha. And you mentioned, I mean, we've been talking through like XAML and code behind and stuff. Is is this restricted to just Xamarin Forms apps? Can you use it for regular Xamarin iOS and Android apps? Um, so you'll get a warning once you start trying to do a lot of that because it's, I mean, it is definitely optimized for Forms. Um, on on Android, um, we, you know, we don't have a lot of the dependencies baked in that you would need to do resource loading. You're not going to be able to change Android XML layouts. Um, you should stick to stick to XAML uh, primarily for that. Um, the uh, on the on the iOS side, it actually it's you know it's pretty solid. It can it can parse storyboards. It will um, you know it will it'll make an effort at that. You can do a fair amount of um, changing things inside in C sharp. Um, you know on both iOS and Android, if you're if you do a lot of UI that is C sharp driven. It'll work great for that, um, really, regardless of what you're doing. Um, and then, that alone is pretty powerful, especially if you're doing, you know, trying to get your auto layout constraints and all that stuff right. Right. Yeah. It goes back to what I was talking about with animations. Constraints are the exact same way. Yeah. Like you never get those right the first time. Yep. Yeah. And um, and so the other thing is, you don't even have to get the live player app at all. Um, starting in the our, you know our next release to Visual Studio 2017. So if you go get the Visual Studio 2017 previews, not only do you get um, the, you know, the improved experience of the discoverability of the live player, but you um, you also have the ability to just have it automatically push the um, the the live player to the emulator or simulator. Um, so um, you know for for that for uh, for getting started quickly, especially for your audience that already has Xamarin, you know, on their machine and maybe you know, aren't in a rush to to develop against their their personal device, for instance. I mean, it's good for trying, but you like your day to day development. You're like, well, it's fine, but I'm working against the simulator emulator already. We streamlined that, so you can just do that. And of course, Visual Studio has the iOS remoting uh, capability. So if you're in Visual Studio um, and you you push it to the you know you can push it to the simulator. Uh, on the Mac and and have it running on your on your simulator locally. And is this um, available across both BS for Windows and for Mac? Uh, the Life Player is yes. Mm. Uh, obviously, the remoting is a well. Windows sure. <laughs> it's not remoting when it's on a Mac. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, yep, iOS and Android, Visual Studio, Visual Studio for Mac, both. Yep. 
Very cool. And then I have to ask the, the kind of obvious question I think was everyone's first reaction back when, when this announcement came out was, does this mean I don't need ever need a Mac in my stack at all? Yeah, definitely not. It definitely does <laughs> not mean that. Um, uh, you know, like I said, like a lot of the live player, a lot of our, our inspiration for the live player is to make it easy for people to, to try it out, to get started. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a day-to-day Windows developer in Visual Studio, you may not have a Mac or any plans to get a Mac, um, but if you need to develop an iOS app, you would, right? And we want to make, we want to give you the confidence to get the Mac, but we don't want to, you know, a- avoid the need for the Mac. And, and we can't. And there, like I said, there's, there's provisioning and signing and, um, and if you're actually working with storyboards and once you start getting into the native functionality and including native libraries, um, you're going to need the complete tool chain. You need to get a Mac. And we want to make it as easy as possible for you to stay comfortable inside Visual Studio if that's what you want to do. Although I love Visual Studio for Mac, and I have a kind of a bias there as well, obviously. I do too. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, we want to keep you comfortable where you are, but, but that does not mean um, avoiding having a Mac. Um, and actually, I think, like, a really good thing to keep in mind, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like the, the iOS and can I avoid having a Mac ends up being the flashy side of it. But, you know, if you're a Visual Studio developer and you're mostly using Windows and, and just worldwide, the odds are pretty good you have an Android device. Maybe you're already thinking about deploying to an Android device or your enterprise is going to be, you know, like, like so many of our developers are starting with Android and maybe going to stay focused on Android. And, and the Life Player really lowers the bar there if you're, you know, if you're a .NET developer, you're an ASP.NET developer, ASP.NET Core developer, you have Visual Studio up and running, and you think maybe you want to try, you know, try mobile development mm-hmm. out, but you're not going to commit. And like, man, I went this <laughs> many years without having to put Java on my Windows machine. I have to put Java on there now. Like, let's put that off for a little while. You know, no Java, no Android. Save some gigabytes. Make sure that that you know you're confident you can do that. Um, I mean, the, the the Android side of the story is is pretty compelling. Yeah, and that, I was actually going to comment. Actually, on both of those sides, like having spent this many years talking to people, trying to, you know, unofficially convince them that Xamarin is the thing that, that they should use and all that sort of thing, um, you know, there is a lot of hesitation of people like, oh, well, I don't want to go pay two grand for a Mac just for a thing I want to tinker with before I know. So for that side, like I, I think, like I really like that perspective of, well, it lowers that barrier to, well, let's try this thing out if you have an iPhone or you want to do something like that. Um, but also, like you said, on the Android side, like I don't know how many you know, hackathons I've been in or like big long developer days and stuff like that where everyone that shows up tries to do Android because they're on a Windows machine and that's where you can run the Android emulator and they lose their day to, you know, all the different permutations of Android SDKs and build tools and versions and all that sort of stuff. it's a level so of, even even just for the sake of using it at hackathons or dev yeah. days and stuff, yeah, just absolutely. Get, taking the tool chain out of that equation, yep, is yeah, massive. that is a level of pain that you do not need to be experiencing when you're trying to do a hackathon. Absolutely, um, and uh, you know, coming from from my background of running the evangelism team, I was like, yeah, that was <laughs> that was definitely a pain point that we were driving. That's to what I would spend half my day on, yeah. just bouncing around, helping people, trying you to do. like tell them it's not just it's not all Xamarin's fault. <laughs> I'm sorry we didn't deliver the live player for you sooner, but your next hackathon will be definitely be a success. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> cool. I mean, is there anything else around live player that we we didn't cover? I mean, that was. No. Are there are there any other limitations that people should be aware of? Like, 
I remember when it first came out, there were you know certain types of NuGet packages that that may or may not. Oh yeah, there's have, a compatibility. I'm sure like, there. Yeah, I mean there will continue to be libraries and NuGets that um, that we might have to go in and make tweaks for. But the number of libraries that we have been able to make Live Player compatible since we did the initial preview is is pretty incredible. Um, and uh, you know we can't support a lot of reflection, um, and that was what held a lot of NuGets back. So um, so being able to to you know bake in requirements that that would have required reflection emit previously um, has has brought in like the high volume the you know your json.nets your sqlite.nets um, you know the the popular nuggets uh, work with a live player now so yeah it's yeah, I mean you're you're correct there you know I don't want to overstate that all the libraries are going to work there's a sure ton it's a huge <laughs> nougat ecosystem out there um but yeah like it's 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 improved a ton and we're improving that all the time that's very cool and out of curiosity what is the experience when you know something is it will it just not deploy something to the live player if it detects something or you know will the the live player crash like what is that sort of it shouldn't crash um we try to we try to fail gracefully um we we have a blacklist of of apis you shouldn't try to use um we have a, I guess, a gray list that will give you a warning. You know, like I said, we 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 want you to be using forms. So if you're not using forms, we're going to give you a warning mm. that says, "Hey, you know, may not may not be the experience <laughs> you expect." Um, but uh, but like I said, especially on iOS, a lot of that stuff will work anyway. So you know, you can dismiss the warning and, and proceed. Um, but but uh, again, as we as more and more people use it, we'll be able to enhance the. You know, either enhance the blacklist or make the APIs that, that don't work work if they really need to. Yeah. Um, we're also doing a lot of investment now that we kind of cleared that hurdle to improve the, the content as well. So as people get started, we want them to find content and samples um, that are just going to work with the uh, with the live player out of the box. Um, and uh, so we've been improving a lot of samples or using the samples to improve the live player. We've uh, we're creating more content that you know, assumes that you have the live player either for live run current view or for, you know, for, for getting started running the app quickly. And um, and we've also improved our templates a lot as well. So, you know, again, and if you get the 20, Visual Studio 2017, um, many more, most, hopefully all, the goal is ultimately all of the templates that you would pick for, for a Xamarin project um, are just going to work against the live player. Um, and you know, kind of as an aside, with like things that are happening, those improvements ultimately result in templates that are themselves, um, I think, easier to get your head around if you're getting started, less likely to give you warnings or errors that you don't necessarily want to be sorting through when you're trying to build a project to compile new. Mm -hmm. um, so all up, that has improved the, the template experience for um, for projects, and uh, and and less so to to uh, file templates, but we'll, we'll improve those as well. Yeah, and it, it's it's always interesting looking back a couple of years when when products like this come out too, and you can start to like pick out like oh I see little little pieces of this sort of ecosystem forming, you know, be it the workbook stuff or some of the inspector stuff, and then you know like I you see this a lot even with like when Apple releases like you get the new iPhone 10, and I look back I'm like oh well two years ago they introduced like Raise to Wake, which is clearly setting the stage for Face ID. Like I look back, I see you know workbooks and inspector and some of those other things that gave you sort of basic bridges into poking at a running app, and then things eventually manifest into to a polished product. So 
Yes. From my perspective, it's always cool to just sort of see that sort of thing. Yeah, no, it is. It's <laughs> exciting, and I and, and we have a lot of foundational stuff um, in all the things I've described here that I'm I I'm really excited about where that stuff's going, and we'll have to have a future podcast when I can. Yeah, I don't know how it took this long to get you on the show, but it's uh, I'm I'm hard to nail down. You can you can <laughs> ask other podcasters. Uh, so, <laughs> so but I appreciate it, you having me. Yeah. Of course. Is there anything else that we should make sure to cover? Um, no, I mean, I think that I think that hit the highlights. I guess the only other thing is I reflect on what we, you know, what we shared with Xamarin Forms. As I mentioned, Xamarin Forms 2.5 came out, um, so that's that's in stable. Um, those you know those nougats are what everybody gets now, and the next Visual Studio update will reference those nougats by default. But we also have a preview we put out. Um, that uh, that delivers some of the progress we've made with the XAML standard. That uh, that if you follow Windows announcements or, or Xamarin announcements, you may have heard of also at Build earlier this year, which is our effort to work with the Windows uh, team to improve the overall compatibility of our XAML, which is you know sometimes oddly different than, than Xamarin <laughs> Forms for, for questionable reasons. Um, but uh, but I'll just point out Xamarin Forms did not originally, we didn't we didn't create Xamarin Forms to be a XAML platform. That was a feature that came right. later in the development of it that turned out to be a really great feature. Um, but we didn't make the XAML different just to, just to be different. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to change our XAML in, in any kind of a breaking way because we have a really good you know, framework for, for doing mobile UI, um, especially for iOS and Android, and people are using it productively. So don't break it if it's, you know, don't fix it <laughs> if it's not broken. Right. But um, but at the same time, um, you know, working with the Windows team, we said, hey, you know what, there's a, there's a you know, there are many types um, that just seem to be different for no apparent reason, and we can expose th these types that we already have that are named wrong through aliases, so that if you prefer to use the UWP names of, of types or properties, um, you'll be able to do that, make it easier to share code, muscle memory, or whatever skills you already know about what you think things should be in XAML, um, and, and all up improve the experience for developers that are using different kinds of, of XAML. And uh, so we released also a preview of, uh, of, of a new Xamarin Forms that includes those additional APIs. Um, and I think there's, you know, many more, um, you know, concepts and, uh, and APIs that we'll be able to share with UWP. And, uh, and that will improve things going forward. It's a nice additive optional experience. So, you know, if you're, especially the, the portion of your audience that also uses XAML, with, you know, targets Windows 10, um, they should definitely go check out those previews as well. So everything I've talked about, we covered up on the Xamarin blog, um, and everything is appropriately linked there. So. Yeah, we'll definitely link off to the blog post and any other the, the information that came out of yesterday's uh, keynotes and um, demos after that. Uh, before I let you go, I have to ask one question, um, just to put you on the spot a little bit, uh, which is a question I get from people all the time, which is, will there ever be another Xamarin Evolve conference? Oh well, there should be. Um, there should be. That is, uh, you know, I'm I'm not sure I'm allowed to comment on that. I topic. figured that would be the answer. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I I mean, I, in, in realistically, if we look at the if we look at the calendar, we're overdue. So I think it's you know safe to assume that maybe maybe not, right? But uh, but I have to say, like on the positive note, I've talked to a lot of uh, a lot of people, work with 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 marketing, um, and uh, and. And other parts of Microsoft that that did extensive research at Evolve, um, and a lot of 
a lot of the things that we did at Evolve that Microsoft wasn't doing at conferences, they're doing now. Hmm. So, um, you know, I think we have a little bit of the spirit of Evolve in other developer conferences that we're doing now. Um, and, you know, like my preference, obviously, would be to have a great, you know, to having a great Evolve conference. But if not Evolve, if we don't have Evolve, I think, you know, I definitely think there's an opportunity to have a, a much more, you know, Evolve-like story, a more, you know, Maybe. It was always a nice community event. It yeah, felt like a exactly. small like, family sort of conference, very different than most other dev conferences. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and the value of those in, in-person interactions just can't be understated. So you know, we'll we'll see something <laughs> one way or another. Cool. That was actually more of an answer than I was expecting, but I had I had to get it in there. Yeah. Um, but this is awesome. I, like I said, we'll include show notes uh, for everything that we talked about. But Joseph is good to finally get you on the show and I guess we'll wrangle you in um, sometime where we can get John in here as well too. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I would I would love to give John a hard time. So, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and thanks as always for everyone for listening and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.